Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey. Did you uh, watch the Super Bowl this week? Of course I did, uh, being a, a loyal football fan. Um, it was um, interesting. I mean, the first half was pretty boring, I thought. But then the second half obviously got interesting. Um, overtime, always interesting, I guess would be the best way to put it. I, I didn't have a dog in this fight. So, you know, I wasn't really rooting for one or the other team. Um, although I might say I was a little bit on going for the 49ers because I didn't want Kansas City to repeat because, of course, the last team to repeat was my yeah, Patriots. And right. I want that to stand. But yeah, honestly, I, did, I didn't care. I didn't care one way or the other, really, who won. Yeah, yeah. I watched the first half and then it was boring, like you said. And yeah. the people in my house didn't want to be watching anymore. And it was like, <laughs> um, it's and, hard when you don't have a team that's, you know, that you're invested in. Yeah. And then uh, I tuned back in at the end. So that's, hey, you know, a lot of NBA games, if you tune in for the last five minutes, that's kind of all you need to do. Um, and with an overtime football, it's kind of the same. I mean, technically, that's all you ever need to do, right? Like, the, the game is going to be decided at the very this end, is, right? Yeah, this so. is true. This is true. But, you know, um, you know, another Super Bowl, I guess, in, in the books. And, yeah, uh, you know. yeah, another Super my daughter, Bowl. My daughter is a big Taylor Swift fan, my my youngest. And so, you know, th there's that element of it. I don't think I knew that. That um, that's oh, yeah. me a little bit. Mm, great. I know, right? She's really more, she's a lot into my kind of jam bandy music and all of that old school music, but she's a Swifty too. Okay. She's seen Taylor, not on this most recent big tour, which too, you know, which really upset her, but um, she has seen her in the past. So yeah. So that held some allure, at least sure. for her. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Well, um, well, another season in the books, I guess. Another season in the books. Well, we've got an interesting topic today. This was a trend in our Outlook study that you had picked out. You had kind of pushed this one forward, and I really hadn't been thinking about it that much. It wasn't very much on my radar screen, and I thought it was really smart of you to highlight it uh, then, and then we've talked about it a little bit on and off since then. We obviously emphasized it in the Outlook report. Uh, and we wanted to do an episode on it. And so we've been talking about it even more uh, leading up to this episode. And it's the idea that the workforce is dealing with multiple generations and not only the workforce, you know, from an HR perspective and from keeping your employees engaged and retained, but also in who you might sell to, who your clients might be and what that client base looks like. I think those are two really interesting angles. Um, I, I think you kind of had your finger on the pulse of, of both of those. And we're going to kind of pull it apart a little bit today and talk through it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the, the concept of the multi-generational workforce isn't new. I mean, we've done studies on that here at CompTIA. Um, but what I think where I'd like to focus or we'd like to focus on what we talked about with our trend is um, the sort of the emphasis now being on some of the older folks, the older generation in the workforce. I think a lot of the multi-generational studies and trendy topics in news articles, et cetera, that we've been discussing for probably the last 10 years have been about millennials and how they were going to take over the workforce. Um, and a lot of the discussion was around how, um, when you when you talked about the older generation in the workforce, the boomers or Gen Xers or whatever, it was how that those generations are going to 
uh, adapt to the younger generation, how they were going to um, be able to blend in with what some of the um, some of the things that the younger generations brought to the workforce, how they like to learn, how, li how they like to do their job, what sort of mediums they used in terms of technology, what sort of technologies they used. And it was all about the adaptations and the adjustments that the older generations needed to make in order to accommodate this younger you know, swath of folks coming in. Um, and what we're seeing today is a lot of the older generation, they're not they're not aging out. And, you know, we have looked at some of the news articles we've seen, some of the stats out there that the workforce isn't necessarily dropping off at the age of 60 where everyone is retiring and leaving. A lot of older people are staying in the workforce now. And so it is kind of beholden on companies to figure out how best to tap into the skills of that, you know, that upper end of the generations that work in their in their organization and not just as people that are going to be soon to be leaving. So how can we get them to play nice with the younger people, but more, how can we could fully exploit and take advantage of some of the skills that are available there and blend them in with some of the older generations. And I mentioned millennials, but millennials these days are, you know, they're in their forties. They're, no the, they're no longer the young upstarts that are coming into the organization, but it's an interesting thing. And then demographically, um, we're talking about a lot of people here. There's a lot of, of this older generation, a lot of the purchasing power within companies that are, you know, the people who are procuring and buying technology happen to be 50 year olds in that set. Um, they're doing a lot of the purchasing for their companies. So if you're a salesperson out there, knowing how to talk to that particular demographic, in addition to the younger demographic is going to be important. And then the other part of it that we, that you brought up, um, alluded to was, um, the aging of customers. There is a giant market out there. Um, one of the articles I read called it the longevity economy, but a huge, huge opportunity to innovate and create products and services that cater to um, people who are in this older demographic. So don't forget about them. I think a lot of tech companies get really hung up on how we can sell the next greatest interesting game or whatever it happens to be to the younger generation, when in fact, there's just an enormous opportunity to sell all kinds of products and innovate around the needs and the wallet power of an older generation. So there's a lot to navigate there, I realize. There is. Yeah, that's a great setup. There's a lot to unpack there. I want to start you know, on the workforce angle. As you yeah. were talking, and we talk about this multi-generational thing, and, and it's true that there are multiple generations in the workforce, and that's been true for a while. But I, I think the thing that has changed is not only are there multiple generations in the workforce, but there's kind of stages that I think a company usually thinks of. So they're kind of like, okay, so I've got a brand new worker, you know, in their 20s, and then that becomes a worker in their 30s and in their 40s and in their 50s. And then they, that's kind of the final stage. And I think what has changed pretty dramatically is those final stages like the, the 50s and 60s now don't look like they used to you know the 60s almost were non-existent and now that's a very viable part of the workforce which kind of changes the 50s like maybe the 30s and 40s don't change as much you know and when you're doing that you're still kind of in the in the middle in the heart of your career and you're, you're working your way up but now people want to have this longer tail and that's because they're living longer it's because mm -hmm. they're they're feeling better uh, it's because they're able to still do a lot of the things that they want to do while they're working um and and i think that that has changed pretty drastically we were looking at some articles this week talking about that and and so it's these stages of the workforce that a company now has to deal with and accommodate and obviously uh, you know, the, the the boomers or Gen X or whatever are the ones that are entering those final stages and kind of changing it. But I think it's the 
the stage more than the generation. Because I think if you're a company, you're going to assume that the millennials and Gen Z and whoever else is also going to get to those later stages and also have a lot of the same characteristics. And, and so I think dealing with that and recognizing that you've got you know, older workers that want to keep working, that they've got a lot of institutional knowledge, they've got a lot of skill. How do you keep capitalizing on that? How do you continue to open up opportunities for younger workers if you don't have older workers rolling off? And maybe how do you introduce some additional flexibility into it? So if you've got an older worker that doesn't necessarily want to work full-time, but they still want to work part-time and contribute, how do you as a company build a, an environment that it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, you raise a really good point about sort of the the, the natural pipeline in of the workforce, where you're hoping like the conveyor belt of, of the workforce from the 20s on to the retirement age, you know, people start to drop off, and then you have more opportunities for the younger people coming in. That is a little bit of a you know that's changing now and widening. You know the you know so the more people are staying in the workforce. So how do you make it viable for that? Um, you know the older worker. And what they want to continue to do. Speaking as somebody in their fifties, right? Um, for me, like retirement, I think when you were in your fifties, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago, that that you were your mind was entirely on like I'm going to be out of this workforce soon. And uh, speaking for myself and, and a lot of my peers, that isn't the way that many of us think. So you know, we're not you know we're not ready to just kind of you know give up on growth, give up on taking on a new role within an organization, being promoted, being learning a new skill, any of that. Um, it's not shut down. So, you know, for an organization, an HR an HR that runs, you know, how they deal with the workforce, um, that's a major consideration. Likewise, you've got younger people coming in who want all of those opportunities and they want to grow in their trajectory of their career. And we need to figure out a way, a way to make room. And I think um, it's going to be, and we'll see this in the way that um, we, you know, read into HR and how they're doing their work organizationally over the next maybe decade or so. I think there's going to be a lot of changes on how companies manage, like you said, that whole kind of life cycle of the workforce in each of the stages, as opposed to the quote unquote demarcations of generation. Like you're mm -hmm. now in your 50s, so this is what you should be doing at work. It's no longer, all of that is kind of blurred. And I think there are some things like, I, you know, a couple of like things I wanted to, to, to raise about some of the benefits, I think. I read an article this week, it was about AI um, and, and how we're all freaking out about how AI is going to take over jobs and it's going to be able to do all of some of these tech, tech, um, tech type of jobs and tasks um, and eliminate and eliminate the need for human workers in that regard. And that how this is gonna elevate the need for soft skills and durable skills and how important those are because AI is not gonna catch up to that yet. And I think that that was kind of interesting. And one of the things that I've also read is that a lot of younger folks are suffering in the soft skills and durable skills department. It's they're growing up with devices. They're, they're not, they're, they deal with their friends virtually. They're not really as skilled in communications. And I'm not knocking the younger generation. This has just been a phenomenon that's happened that because I believe of technology. And older workers are really good with communication in many cases. They're used to talking to people, having to collaborate across the table. They're used to face-to-face -to -face everything. That's the way that their career kind of grew. And I think there's a lot of opportunity um, as we see AI kind of take over some of the more repetitive tasks within organizations, as it becomes more important for humans to be able to show the one thing that's really good about them being human, that a lot of older folks in the organization will have those durable skills and hopefully be able to translate and pass those on to some of the younger generations. That was just one sort of 
hand-me-down thing that I was thinking about when we were going to get ready to talk about this today. Yeah, I mean, I think that leads into this idea of um, upskilling or reskilling yeah. that, that companies are looking at a lot more, you know, as they have pockets of demand within the organization, whether that's around cybersecurity or data management or artificial intelligence. And, and the needs of the, the organization are changing and they need different skills. You know, more and more companies are looking internally. You know, they're, they're talking a lot more about reskilling and upskilling their own workforce rather than continuing to look for unicorns on the outside and just hiring new people and bringing them in. And it feels like, especially with everything that you just described, there's some potential here for companies to look at this and say, okay, how, how are we gonna build teams of people? And how can we take somebody you know, that, that's been around the company for a while and they've got a lot of institutional knowledge, they know how the company works, they also have some of these communication skills that you're talking about. How can we put that on a, them on a team with uh, you know, somebody that's maybe younger and they've got the technical skills that we're looking for um, and those those two can work together. I mean, obviously, I realize that I'm talking about using two people to, to fill what a company would ideally love to have just one person doing. Um, but I, I feel like these are the types of discussions and models that need to be explored um, as, as people are wanting to stay on longer and as companies have needs and there just needs to be um, some transparency, I think, around what that would look like, right? And maybe maybe there has to be some compromise in terms of you know pay or whatever, um, but there's just so much need out there as technology is changing the skill demands um, and there's desire to keep working. Uh, and so it seems like there would be some way for that to come together. Yeah, I think that there's gonna be a lot of creativity that's gonna to have to take place and, and, and what the workforce looks like and how people work in teams, um, what one job looks like in terms of how many humans actually do it. I think all of that is going to be um, you know, up for grabs right now. And um, there's something that's exciting about that. You know, We could sort of reconfigure the way a workforce looks and the way the company um, structures itself. And I, I think that's you know a pretty exciting thing that we're going to see going forward. And you know I see no end to that. I mean I want to segue here a little bit into um, you know the customer end of it. But you know whether or not the older generation, as we put it, stays in the workforce, um, they're going to still be consumers out there, um, and that is a giant part of our population. And I think that when we are as tech companies, as any kind of company, are thinking about um, how we run our business and we're, and how we sell to customers, how we market to customers, the things that we're developing technology products, how we innovate and the types of things we decide to work on. Um, it, it, we have got this giant market out there. Um, so um, that's another component of this multi-generational thing is not to sidestep or forget that this giant generation out there of people who have money in many cases um, who will be buying is another consideration for your organization. So it's not just about your workforce, but you start to think, have to start to think strategically about your customers now too. And it isn't just appealing to the newer, younger customers that you want for life. That's very important. Grab that 18 to 34 year old demographic and you want to hold on to those customers for life. But right now you've got a giant pool of, of, of potential customers out there that um, have most of the money. And they have specific needs and they're willing to buy and to ignore or neglect that market, thinking that it's not going to be in play for you 20, 10 years down the road, um, I think is folly in terms of your business goals. Mm -hmm. And before we fully shift into the, the customer side of things, one last kind of internal workforce -y thing that I, I'm thinking about is 
the the way that decision makers are making decisions, um, especially as, like you said, millennials are starting to get into that middle stage of their career, maybe right. middle or upper stage, you know, they're starting to become the decision makers. And there was so much focus on what millennials wanted out of a workplace and how they wanted to behave and what kind of feedback they wanted, you know, when they were in those early stages. And I don't hear very much about this. And I, I'd be interested to see if there's any types of longitudinal studies or any types of research looking at how those mindsets may have changed uh, and and modified a little bit as they've gotten into the middle stages. And, and if they you know, have kept a lot of that, you know, behavior and preference, or if some of that has moderated a little bit as they recognize exactly what an organization needs to do in order to be healthy and successful, and they are now responsible for those things. They're um, becoming their parents. Isn't that what happens naturally? We, you know, you've seen the ads on TV. Right. Uh, you raise a good point. I think that, you know, the natural progression of humans, as you see, you know, you're not the same as you were in your 20s when you're in your 30s and your 40s. So a lot, we really went crazy with how different millennials were when they first came into the workforce. And you raise a, a really important and, and interesting point here is you do hear less about that now. And maybe this is just the natural path um, and evolution that all human beings take, take as they age. So, you know, I, I think that would be interesting to see if there's a study done on um, the demands and the, the quirkiness of millennials that we used to write about is they entered the workforce may not be the same now that they're in the, in their 40s with mortgages, kids and, you know, bills to pay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we all become boring eventually, I guess. No kidding, right? Except no, when you read these articles about then the 65 year old plus, they get interesting again, people. <laughs> like, I feel like those are so selective. Like we have found <laughs> some of the most interesting 65 year olds. And I mean, not to say that it's not a trend that is happening, but sometimes I read that and I'm like, gosh, if that's what 65 has to look like, I'm pretty exhausted already. I don't oh, know. Come on, whitewater it. rafting, paddling. <laughs> we're, we're we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. Well, but, I mean, I think that leads into your point about you know what these people are looking for and what kind of purchasing power they have and 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 what types of new demands they might have around you know technology that can help them at the stage of life that they're at. You know, which is not the same stage of life when they were in their 20s, but it's still maybe a lot more you know, vibrant and full of energy than someone of that age, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and I think you're right. You know, we don't see a lot about that. I feel like we're starting to see more about it. I think you see a little bit more, you know, inclusivity in ads and in marketing, um, but maybe still not, you know, the targeted approach of thinking about, you know, what exactly does this segment want, you know, not just to lump them in with, you know, the, the, uh, the, the mass population, yeah. but what are some of their specific needs and what are they looking for um, as, as customers and um, as people that have some purchasing power? Yeah. And, you know, there are some of the, you know, bigger, higher level, when you think about different innovations, um, there's a lot of sort of um, innovation work that technology companies could be doing in areas around transportation in areas around healthcare um, that really pertain to an older generation. And I'm not just talking about as older generations as consumers, meaning they're you know they're out buying things, but also things that they need structurally and, and you know in terms of as they age, 
um, things that would make their lives better, easier, help caregivers, et cetera. Um, and so a lot of innovation in those particular areas is going to be important and should get a lot of attention. It's not as whiz-bang sexy as some of the stuff that you're going to be innovating to sell to younger customers, um, but it's lucrative. And it's also very necessary as a society for us to continue to innovate along those areas that are going to make older generations' lives work because we are, our life expectancy is you know, is going. The reason that older people are staying in the workforce, we didn't talk about this, isn't just because they are, they're vibrant and they want to continue working. But the fact of the matter is people are living longer and they're thinking, I, have, I need money for this much longer to, you know, to be able to afford my life. And, and so um, this is a reality that all of us are going to face, you know, all of us lucky folks who do live longer. Um, uh, so, you know, I think from a consumer standpoint, when tech, when companies are thinking about, you know, who they market to or what they're going to be building, um, it's important to think not just about the consumer purchasing, which lots of older people have lots, they're buying trips and they're buying travel oriented things and they're buying, there are lots of consumer products out there that appeal to them, but also the infrastructure that's going to help support older generations because there are going to be lots of, of them. There are lots of them and they're going to continue to be lots of them in coming years. And that's a good business opportunity for a lot of companies. Yeah. And, and maybe the, the good place to land this discussion is thinking about how some of the, the products that are getting developed for businesses can also be applied to these older generations as they're aging and because society is shifting, right? And what I'm thinking about is like, you know, collaboration technologies that kind of keep us together, mm-hmm. which was something that got emphasized, you know, a lot during the pandemic when everyone was remote. I think that has continued to be an important piece of things as companies have moved to a a more flexible and more remote workplace, more hybrid workplace. And I think there's a lot of data out there that's showing that another thing that's changing uh, in this new form of aging is that a lot of the family structures or societal structures are kind of breaking down and people are aging alone a little bit more often. Um, and, And that is sometimes by choice, that's sometimes not by choice, but it is a reality. And again, you know, some of these technologies that are trying to keep us together and collaborating in the workplace could also be applied to this societal change, you know, especially for, you know, those those segments of the tech industry that that like to believe that they're trying to make the world a better place. Uh, yeah. so I think there's some opportunity there. Yeah, I like I like that as a landing spot. There is I, I think in this particular topic, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of openings here for companies to do some good some good works. So I'll leave it at that. But um, it's an interesting one. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll continue to follow it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So well, again, thanks for bringing that up uh, during the outlook. I think that was a a great addition to the trends that we had there. Um, Thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And Carolyn, I'll see you on the next episode. All righty. Bye bye.